converted. A two-week trial. I've been teaching a series on guarding the unity in our church community. And we've covered a couple of parts that were based on Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 3. If you weren't part of those parts, in a nutshell, there is a calling that Paul the Holy Spirit through Paul, the paraklitos, the one who comes alongside and calls out to us and pleads with us. And there's Paul uh, manifesting this call and this pleading to the church in Ephesians 4. And he's saying, I urge you to walk. The walking has to do with being called by Jesus to follow him, denying yourself, crucifying your sinful nature, that former way of life that you once had, and following him, because you're not going to follow him and follow yourself all at the same time. You'll have to deny yourself to follow him. That's what pulled us away from God, and Jesus is calling us back, and the way to do it is to deny the self and follow God. And he's urging us, and he's saying, walk in a manner worthy of this calling, this klesis. Klesis means to be closed out of what you once walked in and closed into this new thing. As a new creation in Christ Jesus, beholding all things as new, all things, old things passing away, new things are there at hand for you to walk in with him. He's saying you're being called out of those old things and into these new things with Jesus. Walk in a manner worthy of Jesus, of this calling, of this aim to follow him. And then he tells us what that's all about in chapter 4. And it really is about unity. Because it says in verse 3, to make every effort to be diligent, to be eager, for what? Well, the Greek, as we said in the previous message, spudazo is a vocational word, and it means study up, train, and become a practitioner, a specialist in Jesus's master's degree on maintaining unity, the precious unity of the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus has brought us out of death into life and joined us together to become his body, the fullness of him who fills all things. He fills us with his spirit to express the kinds of things he expressed on earth. Now he has a body made up of many across the planet expressing those things in his name, representing him as his ambassadors. And we've been called to walk in a manner worthy of that. And part of it has to do with preserving the unity of the Holy Spirit through the bond of peace. In part three today, 
And we're just going to continue in the same chapter, chapter 4 of Ephesians. Part 3 is about guarding our unity by controlling our anger. So if you've been longing for a message on anger, to know what to do with your anger, this is one message that will help you and help me. It's been helping me, starting with convictions. And even as I walk around, I see my anger and I see my reactions. And there's a whole lot to correct, not in my own strength, but with the help of the Holy Spirit. Because anger is so reactive, it just bypasses the Holy Spirit altogether sometimes. He doesn't even get a say sometimes. And we end up speaking and doing things we ought not to speak and ought not to do. And you cannot say that's the Holy Spirit who inspired that or counseled that, or directed that. So we're going to be talking about controlling our anger, and we're going to start with a little video. We don't have the kids here, but this video goes back. The kids would have no clue about this little guy. It goes back to Bugs Bunny days on Looney Tunes. And you know Bugs Bunny, he, every time I watched him, I loved watching him on Saturday night, 7 o'clock, Bugs Bunny on TV. No internet back then, so it was such a treat to watch Bugs Bunny outsmart all these characters. He outsmarted Elmer Fudd, frustrated him. He outsmarted uh, the Tasmanian devil. Even though you thought the Tasmanian devil was going to get a piece of him, he couldn't. And then you had Yosemite Sam. He made that guy so mad. You crazy varmint! And then you had this being from out of this world. It was a little Martian named Marvin Martian. And man, did he make that guy mad. Let's watch. Oh, that wasn't a bit nice. You have made me very angry. Very angry indeed. I've never forgotten, that was the first guy that came to mind thinking of this message. Just him huffing and puffing, Marvin Martian. He's like escalating there, so mad. If he could take his laser gun and kill Bugs Bunny, he would do it. But of course, Looney Tunes didn't allow for that. Bugs Bunny always won. And if I asked you, in his anger... If Marvin Martian did take out his laser gun and killed Bugs Bunny, could we say that's Bugs Bunny's fault? He made him so angry. You can get angry, but what you do with your anger, and you know whether it's words or deeds, you're going to be called to account for that. Not the other person who irritated you, not their personality that's different than yours, not that person who didn't say it the right way, didn't use the right tone, not that person who just spoke the wrong thing, not that person who failed you. That might make us angry. But what we do with the anger, what comes out of this heart, out of this mouth, out of my body and behavior and its expressions, I'm going to be called to account for that anger and what it produced. Jesus said, you know, murder, you'll be liable to judgment for it. But he then took murder in the same next sentence and said the one who is angry will also be liable to judgment. 
the one who actually ends up in their anger looking down or insulting another person and saying, you fool. Not only liable to judgment, this is Jesus, but liable to judgment to hell. I'm thinking, man, is, it, is he just being extreme in his way he's talking? He's saying anger can be so bad it can end up there. Cain, in his anger, as you know, was so mad. And God came to him and he says, Cain, you're so angry. And he said, sin. And you know who's behind sin? Satan. Sin is at your door, crouching there, wanting to rule over you. It wants to access you in anger. He want, it wants to dictate what you're going to do. Don't let this happen, Cain. There's God pleading and urging. Don't let this happen. And what does Cain do? Doesn't listen to God. Doesn't come under those words and goes straight to his brother and murders him in his anger. James 1.20 says the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You will never be justified with expressing yourself whatever way you feel like in anger that's out and away from God, like Cain. It might even be verbally. Or you might just, as I said in the previous message, you might just murder a relationship. I've seen family members saying, you're dead to me, and stopped talking to them forever. And as a believer, I'm telling you right now, you cannot write off relationships like that and not bear account to Jesus. You might feel like doing it. You might decide to do it, but it's not ever going to be right in the eyes of the Lord. He says too many other things about reconciling and making peace, and even before you make your offering to God in worship, go be reconciled, especially if someone is offended with you. Today's message is going to focus on things, practical things in our anger that, number one, we are not to do, and practical things in our anger that God expects us to do. Ephesians, further on in the chapter of chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22. I'll start there. It says, you were taught, you as disciples of Jesus, ones called to walk in a manner worthy of his invitation to follow him. You were taught brackets in Christ, if you want in context of what we're talking about here, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted according to its deceitful desires. You're done with that. You're to shed that life, not put it back on. Old shirt, throw it off. You're not wearing that old life anymore. And then it says to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, Romans 12, 2. And to put on. So the old is off. Put on the new self or the true self. Created to be like God. 
in true righteousness and holiness. You were created by God, for God, to walk with God. You were created in His image and likeness to look like God in your character, your conduct, your conversation, your attitude. And you might ask, what on earth does that look like? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, come down to earth and expressed it clearly so you know exactly what it looks like to be in the image and likeness of God. Look at Jesus, the one you follow, and you know what that true image that God created you in looks like. If you're anything else other than that, you're not actually living up to the true image that God has given you. You picked up another identity from the world and you're living out that identity. And then it moves on and it says, let's go to verse 26. In your anger, do not sin. There you go. You're responsible not for the anger. You can be angry. There's certain legitimate things that make you angry in this world. A primary symptom of anger is, uh, of offense is anger. And if you're not in touch with anger, maybe you're just not in touch with your offenses. When you get offended, you feel angry. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil like Cain did a foothold because if you let him in through this access door called anger he's coming all the way in to take over rule over and direct your life on what to do with your anger he's got no problem supplying you the words to speak and the actions to take as long as you let him be the supplier. Don't let him have a foothold. Jump to verse 29. It says another thing not to do. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. I'll say it again. Do not let underline, absolute word here, any. Am I allowed to just speak a few rotten words, Lord? No. Don't let any rotten, bad talk come out of your mouths. And then he turns it to another absolute. But only. This is the only thing that God is allowing us to speak. Only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Most of the time I have no clue what the other person needs. I just want to talk. Sometimes I can't even read between the lines. They're saying something and I, I just want to argue. I just want to make my point. And my point is even more valuable than the person in front of me. I'm so into me, myself, and my point. I just want them to stop talking so I can start talking. And here he's saying only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. It's a good prayer to say, what do they need, Lord, because I have no clue, before you start talking. Discernment isn't always by observation. Sometimes it's supernatural where you've got to ask God, what do they need? And God is always, I'm glad you asked. Keep asking, and I'll keep giving you what you're asking for. Build others up according to their needs, and then it finishes by saying, so that it may benefit the listener, the one who's ready to hear from your talk, whatever comes out of your mouth, only let it be something that builds up or benefits the one who hears you. And then he moves on and says, and do not grieve 
the Holy Spirit of God with, which, with whom you have been sealed for the day of redemption. So we got the devil re the ready at when you're angry, and we got the Holy Spirit ready when you're angry to counsel you out of it and into something better to say and even something better to do. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit as Cain did. Get rid of all. Here's the heart trash that we need to empty out before it starts manifesting with our words and deeds. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander along with every form of malice. Malice is when your heart is so sick, all you have inside your heart is wanting to hurt that person. If there's anything good that will benefit them, you will not do that. And if there's anything that will be hurtful, you will do that. You got to get rid of that before it actually starts getting expressed. Well, what am I to do instead if I get rid of that? Then what's left? And then it says here, be kind and compassionate. You feel for them. They struggle. You can easily judge them and they're struggling, or you can say, wow, they struggle like me. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as, here's the standard, kind, compassion, forgiving, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Wow. That is a tall order in this call to walk in a manner worthy of following and serving Jesus. This is how he wants me to not respond in my anger and how he wants me to respond in my anger. It's pretty clear. It's very practical. It's down to earth. We can do all these things relationally with each other in the body of Christ to keep our unity and, and stay together and move on together. Or we can ignore it all and do other things and end up Divorcing each other, walking away from each other, being against each other, talking against each other behind the scenes, just doing all the opposite things. But let's not say they made us do it. No, it's what we have done in our anger. So let's start with in our anger, a little closer look at what we should not do. Number one. This is a few verses before what I just read. Back verse 17. Number one, one thing that we should not do in our anger is we should not live like the Gentiles. And you hear that and it's like, what's a Gentile? I'll tell you what this implies. Don't live like people who are in this world without God. Don't mimic that. Don't say they do that. Don't follow their example. Don't follow their lead. Yes, you were one of them at one time before Jesus called you and invited you to follow him and deny all that and put that aside. So we are not to live like the Gentiles any longer. These are people who... Do not prioritize seeking God and his righteousness, as Jesus said. First and foremost, seek God's vasilia, his government and rulership over your life. Cain 
sin and the devil ruled over him. Here, Jesus is saying in Matthew 6.33, seek first God to rule over you and to direct you in his right way forward, his righteousness. The Gentiles don't care about that. They don't care about Jesus and following him. They do not want to be led. And Paul says such people... You know, it's, it, it's the kind of people we once were, but such people, they're in their minds, in their thinking, they're futile in their thinking. There's a depravity, a fallenness away from any kind of morality that God says, this is good and right and pleasing to me. Walk with me in agreement in these things. They don't think like that. So you can't live like the Gentiles. They're darkened, it says, in their understanding. They still have a chance for God to reach them and enlighten them as well and open their eyes and their minds and their understanding to know God better, to follow Jesus as well, but they're not there right now. So you can't follow their example. They're ignorant of God. They're not mindful of the ways of God. Their heart, it says, is hardened. And if you want to look closer to the word hardening, it's, it's callous. It's got such an insensitivity toward God. Even when you tell them things about God and what God requires, it's hardened. It's very difficult to get through the hardness. It's possible God can get there, touch their conscience, convict them, and have them turn to God and be cleansed as well and be refreshed in His presence. But there is a hardening of heart there in them. Don't be like that. It's like, okay, you're telling me to not be like that. I'm not, I'm not a Gentile anymore. I'm not a godless person. You can be like them. You can, you can rebel. You can disobey. Hebrews 3. You can sin. You can get used to sinning and justifying sin. And you can get pretty far from God in your unbelief where you stop believing. You become callous and insensitive and you are not in a place of rest, not in a place of peace with God. You're not settled with God in this covenant anymore. And he will be calling you back through repentance. And he's saying, don't be like them where you get all distant like this from God and you do your own thing and you think it's all fine. It's not fine as a believer. It's not walking in a manner worthy of the call we've received as ones who've believed in Jesus and received his Holy Spirit. Number two, in your anger... Do not sin. I'll give you the three Greek words. I've mentioned them in the past. This is an echo. Sin. What's sin? Anarchia, anomia, amartia. Three Greek words, all A's. Anarchia, anarchy. There will be no one to rule over me. I rule myself. I do my own thing. There you are, right back into that place of independence. Do you act independently sometimes? Just do whatever you feel like doing? That, in the eyes of the Lord, is anarchy, where God is not ruling, but you're ruling again. Anomia is lawlessness. All that means is, in the anarchy, I'll have no one over me, and I'll have no one tell me what to do. I will do what I think is fit in this anger. This is how I feel. I'm just being real. You know what? Just don't be real to that feeling. Because Satanism says be real to how you feel. And if your feeling is saying murder them, 
Be real to how you feel and don't deny yourself. Be genuine because that's really being human. No, that's really being true to your sinful nature. The very thing that Satan put in the human race, a rebellious nature against God. Anarchy, lawlessness, and the final one is amartia, and it just means even though you know what God says to do, maybe in your anger you don't want to go to God because you don't want to end up doing that, so you do the opposite. You shoot at another bullseye, which is the direct opposite of what God has told you to do and what the Holy Spirit is pleading for you to do in your anger. Don't do it. This is the right thing to do in your anger. And you end up shooting that way like Cain did. The sinful nature opposes the Holy Spirit, is opposite. And guess what? The Holy Spirit opposes the sinful nature. I never thought could, God could ever oppose me. Absolutely opposes your sinful nature, wants you to crucify it on a daily basis so that you can follow him. I think of reactions, as I said before, my reactions have never, almost never, sometimes it's just spontaneously inspired by the Holy Spirit and I act on it right, right away, but most of the time, my reactions come from my sinful nature. My sinful nature gets the first say. My sinful nature gets the first action in how I feel when I'm angry. I have to slow down, be slow to speak, <laughs> slow to anger. Lord, I'm in trouble. Man, am I angry. And it's legitimate anger. They did this. It's wrong. It's bad. But what, do, what should I do? Because I'm ready to do evil for evil. I'm not looking to overcome evil with good in this one. They don't deserve it. Evil for evil. Fire for fire. And it's like, man, then you're both guilty. The Bible tells us not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God with which we have been sealed for the day of redemption. The Bible tells us to not quench the Holy Spirit's fire. To not zvino, extinguish his fire like a fire extinguisher putting out a fire. To not turn him off. Holy Spirit is pleading, just, I don't want to listen to that. Holy Spirit is pleading while you're on your bed. You're thinking about things in a real wrong way and he's trying to visit you to stop, stop you. This is wrong. Don't keep doing this. It's going to get worse and more complicated. Stop and you don't want to talk to him, you go to bed because you know he's going to get you to turn around from what you're up to. But when you don't want to listen to him, you just shut your eyes and shut him out. You extinguish what he's up to and his fire for, you know, what the right response is. I want you to do this. It's passionate. It's, it's, you're going to have to go through something sacrificial. You're going to have to give up something to do what I'm telling you to do, but it's the right thing. Don't go any further away from God in this anger. Number three. Ephesians 4.26 says, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And You know, you can say a whole lot about not letting, your, letting the sun go down while you're still angry. The first thing I want to say is don't shut out God on that day when you get angry. Go to him right away. Don't start venting. I'm just venting to people. That's not the best thing to do. God is better at receiving venting 
David vented openly things that were wrong for him to feel, but in the end he found himself bowing down, worshiping God, and doing the right thing. So go ahead and express those feelings, wrong as they are to God, but not to your spouse, not to your friends, not to other people. They get all offended with you. Secondary offenses happen. Everybody's mad at whoever you're talking about, and it's not getting better. It's getting worse, and you're just making a case, and the devil is there supplying an adversarial argument against that person so that you're right, and they're so wrong, and guess what? You're not getting anywhere in solving this the way God would have you solve it. Don't let the sun go down. Start with God. And then the person. Don't give them the silent treatment. I'm mad at you. They give you a call. I'm not taking that call. Or they take the call and they don't say anything. And then they hang up again. You could be angry at a person and guess what? You don't even have to express all the things that anger can express that are wrong. You could just frame it and say, man, I'm feeling really angry with all of this. Can we talk? I know it's like 1 o'clock in the morning. Can we talk tomorrow when I've de-escalated, when I've had a chance to talk with God first, and I'm in a better place to talk with you? That's not letting the sun go down in your anger where you just shut your eyes, go to sleep, ignore God, and then the next day things are not better, but the devil's waiting for you to wake up and begin to fire off all the arrows in your mind on how you should be thinking about that person. Get you rehearsing it and saying the same stuff over and again. You're saying the same story, how you were bothered. You don't have all the blanks to fill in because you, you stop communicating with the person. There's a lot of imagination. In imagination is a platform of accusation to put it in there. Satan starts filling in the blanks for you and it gets worse and worse and worse. Go to God and then with intention go at it with this person. Make peace. Peace is messy sometimes. It's okay. Get messy. Make peace. It might be part one. You couldn't finish it on that day. Part two, part three, part five, you brought in a counselor because you couldn't do it all without bringing in a counselor because you get so hostile when you talk to each other about this very thing. But finish making peace and preserving unity because God wants you to give it all you got to do it. Do not give the devil a foothold is the fourth one. Foothold, a military person told me, that's a military term, by the way. They were in a Bible study with us. He was a pilot named David. I said, what do you mean it's a military term? A foothold is the first thing when we land or we come through the water on that beach, we want to get a foothold first and set ourselves up against those that we're looking to take more and more ground on, a foothold into a beachhead, and a beachhead actually goes into the territory further and further, taking more and more ground, and Satan wants a foot in on your anger so he can take more ground inside your life, your mind, your attitude, your words. He wants to get in there. Jesus said, Satan has nothing in me, and Jesus wants us to have Satan have nothing in us. we got to run to God fast in our anger because the other option is Satan is looking to get in and to master us through sinful things, attitudes, and thoughts. And we're not to let him do that. Cain did, and we know what happened with him. Number five, 
Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Wow, this is a big topic. Not any unwholesome means rotten. Bad. If I had, if I had rotten milk, I should not be serving you that. If I have a rotten heart, which has only bad things I want to say, I should not be speaking those things. I should not be distributing that. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. I'll just give you a little James 3, four-word thing. I'll say it to myself so I can get it going. Trochos, ginesios, cosmos, anithikias. The tongue is a trochos, which is a gear, which is connected to another gear called the heart. And the heart, Satan, hell, James says, hell can actually fill your heart with defiling things. And it's like, don't let hell turn that gear in your heart because eventually the other gear connected to it, your tongue, your mouth, the heart and mouth thing, that dynamic, your tongue is going to be bringing forth things into this world that are straight from hell. Genesios means to birth. Genesis. It means to generate. Don't let hell generate curses through your heart and mouth in this world. Cosmosanithikias is the last part. Because when you allow it to happen, cosmos is world and anithikias is defilement. It becomes a world of iniquity around you. Everyone gets defiled by what's coming from hell through your heart and through your mouth. It's serious. I'm going to go for it, Rob. Five minutes. As ones who know Jesus and have been called to follow him, what are we to do then? Real quickly. We're to put off the old self, renew our minds, attitudes in Christ, and put on the new self, as we said, created in the image and likeness of God. And I'll just say really quickly here, this is impossible for you to do without the help of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a liberator and he is a transformer. 2 Corinthians 3.17, it says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. When you're with him, even in your anger, he will liberate you from all those terrible things that Satan wants to get a foothold in your life and do. He'll free you from Satan. He'll free you from sin. He will, even though you're angry, you will end up not sinning because he'll free you from what you potentially can do in all those hurtful things you're capable of. And then it says, we'll also be transformed as we continue with the Holy Spirit because he's always working. We will be transformed into the same image of Christ from glory to glory. That's your destiny as one called to follow Jesus, to be transformed into his image more and more and more. Same attitude, same gentleness, same patience, same humility, same forbearance. We're not talking about just patience for a little while, but a long-suffering kind of patience in your commitment that he's commanded you to love others with. Become more like Jesus in that. Number two, 
Back to the talking thing. No unwholesome talk, no bad talk, but only, as we said before, only think of this. You're in the situation. Man, this is a tough situation. How am I going to get through this situation? You're tempted to argue. God doesn't want you to quarrel. He wants you to actually bring a solution to the situation. You ask him, what, is, what does the person need? He shows you that. You ask him, how do I deliver? He helps you in humility to deliver something that will get along with the person and even supply what they need in the situation. You end up speaking things that are beneficial and build them up. Or you might be talking to your spouse or someone else about it, and whatever they're hearing is edifying to the person you're angry with, and you're thinking, wow, I'm blessing them even though they're not here, and one who blesses is, is the one who inherits a blessing. You're not circulating hell stuff. You're taking blessings from above and blessing as a blesser. That's your new nature in Christ. A blesser should not be producing curses. James says it ought not to be so. You're blessing, and God is saying, I'll keep supplying if you're willing to keep bringing forth stuff from above into this world, not defiling it, but turning it a whole other way that's beneficial. And Ephesians 4.31 says, in simple, throw out the heart trash. How do I remember those words that I listed before when I was reading? Think of the, the acronym BRABS, B-R-A-B-S, bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Get rid of that. Whatever your heart is full of, it's going to come out. So don't hold on to that. You take out the trash every day because you don't want your house to stink. You take a bath every day because you don't want your body to stink. Bacteria, it's alive. It multiplies. It penetrates your clothes. You begin to stink. Brabs, malice, penetrates your attitude, your thinking, your emotions, and your life begins to stink in a way that God doesn't want it to stink. Clean that up as soon as possible. Have the Holy Spirit fill you with good things and express those things that are beneficial. And finally, the last thing we're to do is to displace our anger. Displace means you remove something to replace it with something else. It takes over, occupies the space of the old thing that was there. What are we to displace our anger with? He says, be kind and compassionate Forgiving each other just as in Christ, God has forgiven us. The practical application for how to get there, I would say, is James 1.20. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. You might think, okay, I just got to be a real good listener here and understand what that person is telling me uh, so that I can you know, as an excellent communicator, I can understand what they need and then give it to them. Maybe that's enough, but I would say the best way to do it is like Jesus. Interact horizontally and vertically. I do only what the Father does. I say only what the Father says. Uh, Lord, what do you want me to do and say in this situation? I think I'm understanding. Help me to be patient. Help me to be slow to, to get angry here. Help me to be slow to speak. What do you have? God gives you a word. You hold on to it. It's implanted in your heart. You're hanging on to it to not lose what he told you to do. And you say, how do, I, how do I apply this? And he shows you how. And you go from what, all the bad stuff you were capable of doing into the good stuff. 
This is the kind of stuff with God where we end up producing the righteousness of God in our anger. Not man's anger does not produce the righteousness of God, but you put all that aside and you find the righteousness of God in it and you apply it. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening.